Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you the reviews on the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor. And on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking to know if a show is worth binging or if you want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater, I've got you covered. Uh, or if you just want to know my thoughts on a classic or foreign film. Either way, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes. And let's dive into the world of film and television together. In this episode, I'm talking about the 1995 classic sci-fi noir film, uh, Strange Days. This is a movie directed by Catherine Bigelow. This is a movie written by the one and only James Cameron, Mr. Avatar himself, Mr. Titanic, Mr. Terminator, James Cameron, as well as co-written by Jay Cox. Uh, this is a movie starring Ray Fiennes, Angela Bassett, Juliette Lewis, and Tom Sizemore. Uh, and a movie that was, you know, kind of, it was a movie I loved. This came out in 95. I was probably 14, 15 when I rented this movie on VHS. So this is a movie that came out in the prime of my puberty. And I love this movie because this movie does feature... A lot of topless women, which was a, a must-have for uh, so many movies. Just a great find for a 14-year-old boy going through puberty uh, at a time when the internet wasn't uh, a thing like it is today. And uh, not only were there plenty of topless women, but this is a, a great noir story, great mystery, sci-fi thriller, but also dealing with, it's in many ways very similar to what Black Mirror ended up becoming, uh, which I will be ranking my top five Black Mirror episodes on Sunday's episode of Top Five. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of a near future, kind of interesting technology, how that's used, what kind of world it helps to build having this type of a technology. And this is a movie it, that takes place basically the two days before the year 2000. So the last two days of 1999, uh, this is a follows a former vice cop who is now a street hustler who is selling these this basically hustling this this technology that's almost used as a drug that allows you to experience uh, moments in somebody else's life right somebody else can wear something to record and experience and then that is archived and then somebody else can play that experience back by jacking into the system and uh, it is an interesting technology uh, that this former vice cop is hustling on the streets of Los Angeles. And while doing that, he accidentally uncovers a conspiracy that is going on involving the LAPD. Uh, so this is a near future sci-fi. I mean, as this came out, it was 95. So this was a movie set a few years in the future from that. Uh, involved with a, a bunch of sci-fi, not really a bunch, but just one aspect of 
technology that never existed, but an interesting thing to change up and to tell the story of this noir, neo-noir story. Uh, and a movie that also touches on police brutality, uh, civil unrest, uh, the the kind of fears that were attached to Y2K, the new millennium. Uh, I remember those times in 99. I remember kind of a lot of different types of fears people had and that those things kind of uh, help add some tension to this overall story, which is interesting. There's a lot of components in this story that all come together that really produce an interesting, tense, sci-fi, mystery, detective type of a story. Uh, overall, I love this movie. Uh, it's been forever since I've been able to watch this movie. It hasn't been available. Uh, it is currently streaming on one of the many streaming services. Go to Just Watch if you want to find it. I don't remember which one it is. Uh, but I love it. I haven't seen it since the 90s, so it's been decades since I've watched this movie. It's an interesting crime thriller. Uh, it almost and it almost hits the mark when it comes to police brutality. I'm going to talk about that more in spoilers, probably. But there is one of the many kind of themes that are surrounding this story is the idea of police brutality. And it almost hits the mark. It almost does. It brings it up, but it brings it up in a way that is not true to the reality of police and the crime, the many crimes that the police actually commit, uh, especially the Los Angeles Police Department, but most police departments across the country. Uh, so misses the mark a little bit on that, uh, but it is very cool and interesting sci-fi technology, this idea of being able to record experiences. Uh, people can relive experiences, super cool tech that, you know, I wish. And it's it's more than just reliving the vision of what somebody sees or what they hear and see it's not like they're just recording the audio and video it is a visceral experience where you're almost living in that moment as that experience is being recorded which i think is an interesting level of immersion uh, that you get with this technology that exists uh, and again, a, a story that is very similar in many ways to Black Mirror. You know, a lot of Black Mirror episodes are just kind of near future, not really set way in the future and involving technology that seems like it could be. And in many t aspects, right around the corner, as some technology from Black Mirror is kind of becoming a reality. This would have been an epic this i mean this is a, a pretty epic movie two and a half hour long uh i would say justifies its runtime definitely uh but would have been an epic type of a black mirror story where black mirror does delve into different genres that are all kind of related through interesting technology um so yeah strange days so this movie starts off at 106 a.m. on December 30th, 1999, right? And the movie ends just after New Year's on 2000, January 1st, 2000. So an interesting time. Uh, the time is set, you know, a couple days before 2000. Um, the, not only is the tech obviously a little bit not 
not, not really a reality, right? It's kind of a definitely more of an alternate reality. Uh, that technology were a little bit we still doesn't exist and definitely was a little bit far out uh, to think it would come out in 2000, even though this movie came out in 95. Uh, but also the setting of Los Angeles in this movie is a bit dystopian, very similar in a lot of ways to Predator 2 that is set in Los Angeles, kind of a post-apocalyptic Los Angeles, and also very similar to the propaganda, the right-wing propaganda that currently exists in the year 2023, how they make people think L.A. and other big cities are in reality. They, they make them sound like they're post-apocalyptic wastelands, uh, when in reality, not really, but there is definitely a homeless issue uh, with with society in general. There is a a definitely a a vast uh, gap between the people that have all the money and the massive amounts of people that have nothing that kind of contribute to these types of living situations, uh, but is not necessarily the dystopian hell space hell space that the right wing propaganda networks would have you believe but this movie similarly to predator 2 kind of living in that kind of reality the fear of y2k and how that in this movie adds a level of tension definitely uh whether it's i remember the fears being you know all of the computers were going to fail so you have like banks crashing a lot of a lot of aspects of society kind of ending because the computers weren't set up to switch over into 2000 or whatever. So I remember 99, the end of 99, uh, especially that New Year's, specifically uh, thinking that there was a possibility that, and if people didn't act to fix all of those problems before the year 2000 may have been a reality. But I remember that being a fear a lot of people had that like a lot of chaos could potentially happen if these systems break down but in this movie definitely adds a level of of tension along with the potential uh rising of a rebellion due to police brutality which is something that has not changed in any way has only really gotten worse uh, but this is a noir story, right? A guy who used to be a vice cop. His buddy is like an old partner of his who was injured on the job. And he's now a private uh, private eye uh, that's played by, uh, what's his face? It's played by uh, Tom Sizemore. And our main character is Rafe Fiennes. So an interesting kind of, right? They both used to be cops, but now they're doing kind of jobs similar Right, Ray finds as dealing in this new technology, clearly using all of the contacts that he made while as a vice cop, whether it's using prostitutes to record experiences for him or clients in order to sell his product to them, these experiences to them. Uh, you have the Tom Sizemore's character who is this private, you know, detect private investigator, um, you know, kind of doing security as well. Angela Bassett, probably the most badass she's ever been in a movie. Maybe maybe she's been more badass in other movies. But she's amazing in this one. She's somebody who uh, was helped at one point. She's currently like a driver 
or she performed security for kind of higher up people, kind of a freelance type of a thing. But she was once helped by Ray Fiennes' character in a situation, uh, which we see that flashback uh, throughout this movie. We also have Ray Fiennes' ex-girlfriend, played by Juliette Lewis, who is who left him and he's kind of hung up on that, but she is now with this scumbag producer kind of a guy who's stringing her along, kind of promising that he might, with the hopes anyway, that he might produce her like you know kind of make her band relevant and make them famous or whatever right it's kind of that idea of the music producer selecting who they will will make famous or whatever kind of holding that as a carrot kind of dangling in front of her uh side plot this impending revolution that is being led by a rapper who is using the new year as a as a kind of a turning point for society where he wants people to fight back against the you know horrible police brutality that's happening um and he gained a lot of popularity by doing this as well definitely somebody who's like a figurehead kind of the, the leader of this movement which the movement is very similar in many ways i would say kind of a cross between the BLM movement and Black Panther type of a movement, uh, which Black, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, a little bit more prevalent today, more of the peaceful type of movement uh, that kind of d is impacted by and opposed to the police brutality that is continuing to go on and in many ways far more exposed in today's time. We see regularly um, multiple times a week there is a new body cam footage from a police officer who murders an innocent person on camera and we see regularly how little to no consequences are you know they're held to zero standards they pretty much get for the most part will get kind of a paid vacation uh, in very few instances, they may lose their job, but in most of those cases end up just working for a different police department. And in the very, very, very small percentage, if it becomes a global phenomenon like George Floyd, maybe they'll be charged with a crime. Unless they're like black cops. Black cops tend to get, because it's all white supremacy that that really fuels the police department. And, uh, you know, even in the year 2023, the there's aspects of this movie that are almost laughable. Where in this movie, the idea of a video exposing police officers slaughtering unarmed, innocent black men for no reason being the, the spark that lights the fuse of rebellion... Uh, and changing everything in society is laughable now that we've seen what we've seen over the past few decades as technology and access to seeing those events happen pretty regularly and seeing how police budgets pretty much just go up every year. There's really nothing that has changed in many ways has just gotten worse and we are exposed to more of it and nothing has changed but 
in this reality of this movie adds a layer of tension, adds a layer of like, oh, this thing could blow up at any point, you know? Let's take a quick break from this episode because I want to talk about, are you looking for the perfect gift for that art lover in your life? Look no further than InspireDisorder.com. Our gift cards can be used to purchase original artwork from the many faces, a collection of over 2,000 original abstract ink portraits. These one-of-a-kind pieces make for a truly unique and meaningful gift. But that's not all. Our gift cards can also be used to purchase high-quality prints and t-shirts featuring these amazing paintings. Plus, if the recipient is a fan of The Ray Taylor Show, they can use the gift card to purchase merchandise from the show as well. So why wait? Head on over to InspireDisorder.com and purchase a gift card today. Your loved one will be sure to appreciate the thought and creativity behind such a unique gift. Thank you for considering InspireDisorder.com for all of your gift needs. And now, back to the show. Tech is very cool, right? They jack into this experience, right, of somebody's experience that lived this experience, right? Kind of a next-level VR type of a thing. So there's a lot of first-person views in the filming of this movie, Right. It's recorded memory along with like the emotions and sensory inputs that they would have. Uh, It's a wireless technology, but they still refer to it as wired. Uh, And like in the dialogue, Ray Fiennes is like, yeah, it's we call it wired, but it's actually wireless, which at the time was kind of revolutionary. There wasn't a whole lot of wireless technology aside from TV remotes at the time. Uh, And now if this existed, they would refer to it as it uses Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or it streams to the recorder, right? We have different terms that they would use nowadays to kind of talk about this technology, but kind of interesting at the time. They still call it wired in. (laughs) They got you wired, bro. Um, and it, the way it records is onto like this, it, it's like a cassette, but the cassette is a CD and so like a mini CD. And there, there was a technology, I think from Sony, I think they were called super CDs and they were like smaller sized discs, probably similar technology that ended up becoming Blu-ray where it was like higher quality audio than you would get in a standard cd it was like a higher bit rate or something probably but they looked like these discs that they that these experiences are recorded onto which is kind of fun you know to see in the early 90s what they thought mid 90s what they thought would be used when in reality we know things are just like stored on little mic you know either memory card type of things these small little memory cards that we have now or stored in the cloud right they're stored on a server somewhere else and they're just accessed through the internet kind of fun uh and you wear this technology wear like this this headset thing that you know people wear under wigs right in in this reality wig the the wig industry explodes has to have exploded at the end of the ni- the 90s, right? And the, the reality of this movie, because they wear these things when they're recording it to hide that they're recording their experience. They wear this like mesh that sits on their head underneath wigs, which is kind of fun. And that comes up throughout the movie as people lose wigs and you see that people are recording when you don't know they're recording. Kind of a fun 
kind of a fun thing. Uh, and then also this technology becoming like a drug, becoming this thing that people get that uh, get addicted to. And the experiences, because you are living like a realized experience with all the emotions and sensory inputs, it basically makes the line between reality and these experiences become more blurry as people do it more often and there's characters kind of dealing with that there's also ways for people to kind of almost od on this technology as well which is interesting but yeah i love this movie as a kid it's perfect kind of even if it didn't have all the topless women in it right and it was just the gritty sci-fi crime movie i still would have loved it but it also had you know it had some uh eye candy right it had the male gaze and it directed by a woman but still has that that essence of male gaze which was huge in 90s action movies in general uh so yeah it was a perfect perfect like it had all the the kind of uh things that a young boy would young a heterosexual boy would check off his list that make a movie great and again miss the mark a little bit on the brutality which i'll get to that in spoilers uh, and also, you know, I'm a fan of Catherine Bigelow, one of my favorite action movies growing up uh, and still I would imagine holds up. I, you know, last time I watched Point Break, the original Point Break, not the remake garbage that was Point Break remake. Uh, but the last time I watched Point Break was the day before I went skydiving for the first time, just to kind of pump myself up. Uh, I may have actually seen it since then, but a great action movie. Also, Hurt Locker, another great movie. Uh, watching this movie made me want to go back and rewatch because I haven't seen all of her movies, but would love to rewatch all of Catherine Bigelow's movies and maybe do a top five, do a ranking uh, of her movies and uh, see how they all stack up with each other. Uh, but I love this movie. Apparently, it was a box office flop. It really put her career in danger. Uh, but I think it regained a lot of attention on rental and it disappeared for a while. And I don't know why it disappeared for a while, but there's a lot of movies that now that everything's digital, it's pretty easy for studios to kind of make things disappear if they want. And uh, I'm glad that it hit streaming again because I did enjoy watching it. But I do want to talk about spoilers, so... This is a warning. If you haven't seen Strange Days, maybe it's been a while and you don't want to be spoiled going back and watching it. Maybe, it'll, you know, it's like watching it again for the first time. Uh, either way, I'm going to be spoiling aspects of it because there, there are parts of this movie that I want to kind of talk about in detail. So spoiler warning. You've been warned. Uh, so the, it, the different experiences in this movie, you see a lot of different varieties, right? A lot of different types of experiences, right? A lot of first-person views. One of the first experiences we see is a robbery uh, that goes wrong, right? These guys robbing a restaurant. Uh, cops are there. They, they're running up through the stairwell to get to the roof, right? And trying to get away, jumping from one roof to the other. One of the guys doesn't make it, falls down, dies. Ray finds is like, I don't deal with this blackjack stuff, right? I don't deal with this smut people dying that's not good that's not good experience i'm gonna have to edit this i have to edit the end of it 
but an interesting because you would get like I would imagine, right? All of these different experiences because you're reliving them, you're getting that adrenaline rush in a way that would be way more insane than just VR. Way more insane than just watching, which already watching an action movie, doing something in VR, watching movies, there are things that don't tap into the sensory immersion that you would get with this technology that still influence these these reactions, right? Your gets your adrenaline up, gets your your heart pumping. So doing it in this way has to be, right, the the purest way to immerse yourself in different experiences. So I could see I could see why all these in many ways would be popular. Um and then he has his own Ray Fiennes' character has his own collection of memories uh, from his past and he has one with his past girlfriend Juliette Lewis where they're like rollerblading and then go home to have sex and it's just like of course you would have these moments you would record these moments in your life with your partner or just in general like going to a sporting event do going to a thing going on a date whatever it is you would be because it would be way better than you're you'd literally be able to relive those moments instead of what people do you know they bring their camera out and they're just filming stuff right you could relive a concert instead of re-watching it filmed on your phone where the audio is all blown out and you can barely see anything right you can actually relive those things so of course you would have it's like the most high-tech like home videos you could ever imagine to have so of course he's got collections of that um there's one one of his like guys that edits these videos he's a double amputee and he's given like you know this this disc and the disc is of a guy running on the beach right so he gets this guy who doesn't have any legs has the experience of having functional legs and being able to run on the beach and he like runs by a tra an attractive woman who kind of gives him attention right it's just like like a technology that can give you the all like a range of experiences that can be used in a range of ways right and it's interesting how this movie shows a lot of those different ways because it could easily just show like oh the porn stuff which of course that is definitely one of many of these types of experiences is just straight up porn uh but seeing that guy and just seeing it, all these actors as they're experiencing these things great performances and really makes you realize that it's more than just you're watching it and hearing it that it is more of a visceral like you're getting the the feeling that you are in those moments but the crazy one is the criminal that they're like after right which like one of the prostitutes that records moments for Ray Fiennes' character, which I should probably, what's his name? Instead of just referring to him as Ray Fiennes' character every time. Uh, Lenny, right? Lenny Nero, uh, right? Because he's used to be in Vice, so he knows all the prostitutes. He knows all the drug dealers. He knows all the people who would buy, all the people that can make content for this. And one of those women is trying to get his attention because she found an experience 
And that experience, it's so dark. It is so dark. Probably one of the reasons why I would imagine um, people wouldn't want to definitely trigger warning for anybody uh, when it comes to sexual abuse. Um, but this one, the bad guy, right? One of the many bad guys, I guess, in this movie is this guy who goes in, sneaks into some this woman's room, right? And then he forces his victim to put on the recording device on her head, right? She's tied up, right, um, being beaten and about to be sexually assaulted, puts this recorder on her head, and then he has a recorder on his head and he pipes in his experiences into her head so she is experiencing what it's like for him to sexually assault her mind-blowing like the only way it's like an insane type of way to use this technology in a movie right it is like so much darker and more evil than just the act of rape as it is to have the rapist pipe in his moment of experiencing that into the victim insane right but that's what this guy this this asshole creep guy is doing and is what this woman was so worried about trying to get Lenny's attention so that he can help track it down because he used to be a cop right you know he would be able to do that and then he shows his buddy uh Tom Sizemore who's Max shows him like everybody's like you have to see what the you can't and while you're watching it you're experiencing it from his point of view but then knowing that she's experiencing his point of view while doing it it's just kind of an insane like meta layering of just absolute cruelty and and like evil behavior and there's you know other ones where like the person that he's after knows about him and there's uh, he finds a disc where he sees this person sneaking into his room, sneaking into Lenny's room and like running a razor blade on his throat, like showing that, like, listen, I have access. I could kill you at any moment. You don't know. Right. And he runs into the bathroom and checks his neck to see the the razor mark. Crazy. Right. And then, of course, you see the people who get addicted to this thing. Right. And see how. Like they run it through an amplifier and it turns your brain to mush, like showing how not only long term use of this technology can blur the line between reality and the experiences, but also through the amplifier completely OD on it and just turns basically like technologically lobotomizes you in some ways. Right where you're not dead. But you just are your brain is fried. So it's an interesting, not only like technology, but how so much of this story could only be told with that technology. Super interesting, which, which is very similar to like Black Mirror, right? It's really using technology in order to tell very unique types of stories in different genres. And when it comes to the police brutality of this, right? miss the mark right you see one of these experiences so you have the producer is kind of like paranoid about his talent that he works with and he 
has people in the talent's crew wear this device to spy on his talent. And the rapper is one of the artists that he works with and paranoid about him and having him basically wiretapped in a way. And during that one night, they get pulled over by these cops and these cops just execute him, right? Literally happens all the time, right? But at that time, it wasn't as popular. You didn't see it everywhere like you do now. It definitely was more shocking to see, uh, aside from like Rodney King, they cops were able to cover this up, right? Because the media and everybody just still, even today, just goes with whatever the police say happens, right? And they can just say, oh, they were armed. I, f- I f- feared for my life, which is still what they do, even though we see video where people are not armed and are not at all threatening the lives in any way of the police in many occasions are trying to run away from the police because the police are a gang that are about to execute them and usually do get shot in the back many times like like many many amounts of rounds of bullets get put into unarmed citizens on a regular basis on video rarely does anything happen Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about are you a fan of art, movies, and all things entertainment? Then you need to check out youtube.com slash inspired disorder. Our page is jam-packed with all kinds of great content, including making of videos of the many faces and ongoing art series of abstract ink paintings. But that's not all. We also feature daily episodes from the Ray Taylor Show, a podcast that brings you movie reviews, TV show reviews, episode recaps, opinion on news and entertainment and much more there's also a weekly diary and top five movie rankings of a variety of categories and if that wasn't enough we've also got how-to videos covering all kinds of topics so why wait head on over to youtube.com slash inspired disorder and start exploring the amazing content we have to offer and now back to the show right but we have this event right oh it shows right there's this big movement of this rapper going to start this movement to change things to end police brutality to uncover it and that guy the leader of this movement ends up getting executed by police and everybody's scared because there's so much tension if this video gets out if this experience gets out then it's a powder keg things are gonna so it's that level of tension is there throughout this movie right Right. If this video, if this uh, video goes out, imagine what would what it would do. Right. That's that's the fear in this movie, which the reality of that is that almost nothing will happen. It happens so much and little to nothing ever happens in reality. 20, 20, 30 years later. Insane. Right. This movie is very much on the side of the narrative that there are only a few bad apples in police departments. Right. Which obviously there is really the reality is there's a few good apples in police departments. And whenever the good apples are shown or try to speak out about the bad apples, they will get uh, just let go. They will get murdered. They will be silenced. A lot of bad things happen to any good apples that end up existing in police departments. But this movie, only a few bad apples. 
and you see that at the end, right? It clearly shows the ideas of this movie at the end, right? That it is just a few bad apples, right? When Angela Bassett takes out those two cops, badass, right? Because these two cops are trying to get the evidence so it doesn't get out that they executed this rapper, right? They don't want that getting out. Makes them look bad. In the reality of this movie, they don't have a department of police officers that will protect them like they do in reality, right? They're worried, so they're trying to shut this. They're trying to get the evidence before it gets out to the public. Angela Bassett, badass, takes them out, handcuffs them, right? Beats them up. Amazing, right? Then you have the crowd getting her back, right, when the riot cops come in to beat her. Right. Because obviously they don't know that these are bad apples. Right. They just see a citizen beating and handcuffing police officers to some scaffolding. Right. So riot cops come in. Then the crowd of people because it's New Year's. It's New Year's Eve. So the streets are full of people. So the crowd helps beat up these riot cops, which in reality, riot cops, they would be shooting all of the people in the crowd. They would be shooting them with rubber bullets. They'd be shooting them with sandbags. They would be spraying them with pepper spray. They would be flooding the streets with tear gas as they do. Like they use tactics that are illegal in war, right? They, they, we, we wouldn't use those tactics against other countries, but the police departments have zero problem doing that to the citizens of this country. So just how that is handled in this movie, very unrealistic where it's just like the cops are just just struggling to survive, right? Just using their nightsticks as if they wouldn't all be armed to the teeth and unloading whatever they felt like unloading into these people. But anyway, crowd's got her back. And then... Then the commissioner, right, she go, She went to the commissioner to show him this evidence, right? She had the disc, like, we need to get this. The Ray Fiennes' character, Lenny's like, I, this is the guy, right? This is the, he's the head. He doesn't put up with any shit. Doesn't exist anywhere that a commissioner would ever do any of this stuff. The, every single commissioner of every single police department should be charged with the same murder, conspiracy to commit murder, because they cover up so much. They cover up so much murder. It is insane. But in the reality of this movie, we go to this commissioner, show him this disc, and he will do what's right, right? Copaganda, copaganda, which is, you know, despite acknowledging that there is police brutality, this is very much a copaganda ending to this movie. So the commissioner comes in after having seen the evidence and the evidence being shown to the crowd, right? So now the police officers see, oh, they're bad apples. So the police officers then do the right thing, which is insane. So the commissioner is like, we need to arrest those cops, those bad cops, right? And you have... The you have one of the cops, right, shoots himself in the head. Never would happen because cops know that they are protected, right? That that cops murder people all the time. They don't feel guilt. 
They know that nothing, very little to nothing will ever happen to them. So the idea that a police officer would be so scared for their life that they would commit suicide never happened. Uh, and then when Vincent D'Onofrio, the other bad cop, gets his gun and goes to point it at, at uh, Angela Bassett's character, the other cops shoot him. Never would happen. Never would happen. Cops don't even, like, barely step in to slow a cop down. N rarely ever, ever would handcuff a cop. It is so fictional that the cops would shoot another cop because they knew that they had murdered a civilian, right? So the fact that Willem Def or uh, D'Onofrio's character gets shot is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, right, just first two white cops as well, right? Maybe if they were black cops, I could see a situation where maybe some of this stuff might happen, but definitely not white cops, definitely not in L.A., right? The, the differences between the reality of true life and the fiction of this movie, very, very different. Because um, we see cops shooting keep people all the time, and just they just get paid administrative leave. Usually. usually if anything, paid administrative leave while they investigate themselves. Maybe they get unemployed, but most of the time, people that cops that get fired just go to another police department, get hired somewhere else. If it makes global news, they may be charged with a crime. Or if they're black, they may be charged with the crime. Maybe. And even then, rarely get convicted. And then at the end, these people that were beat by the cops receive medical care, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, nobody receives medical care. Usually, that is when people die, because not only were they beaten or shot or, you know, maimed by the police officers, a lot of people end up dying because they do not receive any kind of medical treatment at all. So, so much of the end of this movie is complete and utter bullshit. Complete and utter propaganda. Which is bummer because it's like so close. It could, this movie could easily like just change a couple things. Just change a couple. I mean, it would have to be a much more dramatically different ending, right? It would be a war between the people and the police. But the ending of this movie is, oh, the quote unquote good, the fictional idea that there are good cops would do the right thing. They would stop these they would arrest the bad cops they would shoot the bad cops if they were actually going to take another person's life the people who uncovered this would actually be treated the people who were beaten by the cops unfairly would be received medical treatment none of that stuff exists in reality but and it's all because all of this stuff happened because a music producer was paranoid about his artist so he had him spied on with this this stuff, this this technology, and that technology led to the uncovering of a couple bad apples. Right? As if cops don't just murder people all the time for no reason. And the twist ending is that the creepy guy who was committing all of these horrific acts 
was actually his buddy and the way that comes through and even though his girlfriend his ex-girlfriend helped him helped uh lenny at the last last minute like the way he reacted was pretty on point you know like okay i see you help me but still fuck you right (laughs) not only because you're you left me to go to this producer but then you're also with my what was somebody i considered my best friend and also my best friend is sleeping with my ex behind my back but then also my friend that was sleeping with my ex is also doing these absolutely horrific things to other women just kind of a mind fuck of a twist at the end but uh you know still a great movie still a great movie uh so you know despite missing the mark on the police brutality still loved it uh you know the copaganda pretty standard in the majority of movies that came out in the you know involving the police in the 90s i mean 80s and 90s you know it, it was actually surprising watching the first rambo to see a pretty accurate portrayal of institutionalized racism and violence towards innocent people in Rambo first blood or first blood where this like homeless veteran trying to walk through town gets harassed and then hunted down by the police. Very accurate, which is interesting considering what Sylvester Stallone's politics ended up becoming, but very rare to see an honest take on police officers in movie action movies of that time. Right. But still a great, sci-fi noir movie right the tech is cool idea for tech super interesting use of it like very crucial to it elevates the craziness of this movie in a lot of ways um a lot of first person views were great you know having a story set in the that specific time with that like everything kind of makes sense and kind of comes together to make it a better movie i would say uh the constant tension and the kind of the powder keg of of things just potentially exploding at any time the runtime of two and a half hours was completely justified i would say and uh definitely makes me want to not only watch all of Catherine bigelow's films but definitely adds to me wanting to watch more of james cameron's films especially his earlier stuff which i haven't seen all of his stuff especially the stuff that he wrote it's a very interesting script for james cameron to be writing very dark and and disturbing script uh but anyway thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the ray taylor show i hope you enjoyed my thoughts on strange days don't forget to tune in every monday wednesday and friday for more movie and tv show reviews and join the conversation on by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or on youtube if you're watching these until next time enjoy the show new episodes of the ray taylor show come out every single day subscribe on youtube and everywhere our podcasts are found binge the full week over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus buy ray taylor show merch over at inspireddisorder.com have a wonderful day everybody Peace out. Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true.
What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.